Uh, so I have a question for you. Like we, we were on the subject of uh, the whole Bigfoot, Dogman, whatever. Do you think there's a connection between those two? Or is that a reach? Because there's a lot of people who say there are. And yeah. I know what I think and I know what other people think. But what do you think? I think that they pretty much live their own lives, you know, like they're not palling around together. But that if they are in areas where they're needing to eat um, earth foods to sustain themselves, um, with, because because they're they're natural or they're just um, you know part natural and still need it, they would be seeking the same types of food. And indeed, many people who've seen one or the other will describe them most often with a deer haunch or maybe a um, a raccoon or some other type of of uh, animal food. So there's that. But then the other thing is that they have slightly different preferences for habitat. Um, Bigfoot tends to like lots of dense forests and elevations, you know, where there are hills and steep sides. I think it's because they can jump in and out of them and get away out of sight more easily. And um, it's just an easier way for a, a, a tall, furry animal to hide. Um, and I've this has been sort of borne out by... Um, my studying of maps. I really like the old style paper map. I I love GPS and and all the the new electronic maps too. But you get that paper and spread it out, and you can really see things. In in my opinion, but me too. What I what I found was that I could I started putting little colored um, pins into a, a big map, and I started seeing that I could almost draw a line between two areas and almost all the sightings on one side would be the dog man and almost all the sightings on the other side would be the Bigfoot. And it, they both had the same food sources, deer, turkey, that kind of thing. But the habitat was different because where the Bigfoot was, was a lot, um, the trees were bigger. It was more foresty, brambles, um, elevations, drop-offs, things like that. And then on the side where the dogmen were, it was more original prairie, um, once had oak savannas, um, much easier terrain for um, any kind of canine to get around in. And in fact, my theory, I, I call it the indigenous dogman, is that somehow what people take to be an, um, an upright wolf or whatever is perhaps actually a timber wolf that adapted, not necessarily evolved but but adapted to have um, perhaps larger hind feet and just found themselves able to uh, stand up once in a while and look over the prairie grasses to see what was coming you know and this would have been a big advantage to uh, ha if, ha if you have your feet on the ground and your paws in the air then you can carry things that before you would have had to drag with your mouth and so that seemed to me um, a plausible explanation as to why perhaps some of them developed that trait and passed it on, um, you know, over the years. An advantage, evolutionary right. advantage, yeah. So, so, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it definitely does. I, I, the thing you said about the habitat and how you could, like, draw a line, I mean, we've definitely have found the same similarities in, like, the area of, like, the devil backbone down here in Texas, and even the LBL, yep. Like we've we've yeah. been able to, uh, you know, do, do a similar kind of thing where Wolf was showing me that the one devil's day, backbone. the devil's backbone. Like we were, he was, he, you know, he he drove me out there, and he was telling me about it all. Yeah, because like, where, where the reports were coming from, yeah. <clears throat> the reports were coming from the west side of it was more heavily wooded, and it wasn't there. There weren't these like uh, broken up plains. It was more like. Uh, like tall, like like giant. I want to say mountains, but large, Hilly, very large, large hills, hills with yeah. lots of mm -hmm. thick woods, and that's where the Bigfoot reports were. And the south uh, east part of it, near Purgatory Road and all that, it's that's where I was getting the Dogman reports, and creepily enough, the Goatman reports too, which I'm I was. Yeah, they get to so wherever they're the Dogman and the Bigfoot. Yeah, the 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 Goatman seems to throw show up like a third party. You know, and he doesn't really do what the other things do. It's, he almost seems more like a phantom to me. 
Uh, I, I kind of akin him to being like kind of demonic kind of seeming. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah exactly. It's phantom, a de- phantom demon, if you want to, because there's a cemetery yeah. there where we've had reports of a black dog man, but also a black goat man. And I was telling uh, Tony and Sal, who used to be on the show with me, I, we, we were talking about it one day and I was like, I wonder if people are just misidentifying that as one or the other. Um, cause here in Austin and, and, and we'll get to this in a minute. You've actually wrote some stories and you, you've, you've fielded reports from here in Austin too. Um, but down in William Cannon, we had gotten reports of like a dog man with horns, which I was going like, what? And then, and so when I, when I would, when I talked to this one guy who had heard me on Vic's show and he says, yeah, I've lived in William Cannon back in the seventies. Well, I lived there back in the nineties and there's, there were huge swaths of forest still there. You know, from one shopping center, then about a mile down the road, there'd be another shopping center. But in between, is the, Austin's built into like this big arboreal forest. And so it was weird. Like, you know, this guy was telling me that, that he had a dogman encounter back in the 70s, but it was like a like it had horns. And I was thinking goat man. But then I also got a goat man story. Like this guy was adamant that it was like a goat. And then I had a girl who told me a story about that in, in that same area. Um, a little further down, but in that same neighborhood area where she had heard, and this was a friend of mine who owned a club and he had had, a, had an encounter years ago here in Texas when he was a kid out in West Texas, but he had a girl that was a friend of ours. It was a bartender. Well, her roommate told us a story about this wolf looking creature, but she couldn't make out the head of it. And so I told her, I said, do you think it could have been goat like? And she goes, it might've been, it was so dark, you know? Um, but the, the goat that these people were seeing was black. Now, very similar to the one on the devil's backbone. That's an area that's found between Blanco and Wimberley here in, in central Texas. And also where <clears throat> there's a ranch that's, that belongs to the Hernandez family. Uh, that's their alias. I don't say their real name, but, uh, they, they give it, given me a lot of stories when I was working for a, uh, a company, uh, a construction company and they were doing the cabinet work for them and they, told me and, and my guys that work with us, uh, they told us stories about these dogmen. Well, they, they didn't call them dogmen, but we know them as dogmen, but they, they called them these wolf-looking creatures that could walk on two legs. And But they all look very timber wolfish. And that was another question I was going to ask you, Linda, is this timber wolfish look, that is the look of the ones from Wisconsin too. Am I, not, am I mistaken or is that correct? Well, yeah, and Michigan, and really a lot of places. In fact, um, in that first book, in The Beast of Bray Road, I drew a, what I call a forensic sketch of my indigenous dog man, you know, and it shows him at sort of a three-quarters turn. You can see the long snout. You can see the tail, you know, and how the legs are put together so they're walking on the toe pads, and the hawk is up in the air. It's just, you know, like nothing else. And I've had so many people tell me that is what I saw. That is the perfect image of what I saw. And again, um, those I call the mainstream dogmen because you'll see several different types. I don't know that they're necessarily species. Some of them may be, you know, more in the in the phantom book. Like if somebody tells me they saw a 10-foot high black dog that was like a shadow, it was two-dimensional, it turned around and there was no... Um, side to it anymore you know it was obviously a a two-dimensional thing um and then kind of smokily dispersed that's not a natural animal no just no way you know and those are often scarily claimed to be the ones that will come into bedrooms they just walk through the door and go back out and i've been getting more of these reports from people who don't know each other um just recently i've got about three in one area, one particular area. And so I just call those the black shadow dogs. And I think I had a bunch of those in the Monsters Among Us book too. So um, that's a different thing. And then there are, I'm sure you are familiar with what they call the skinwalkers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, they have a different look. They're often bigger. They actually, they may have a lot more human features naturally, from uh, their their origins, they have shoulders which canines don't have real shoulders because they're built to be uh, four feet on the ground, and so they just the the bones are arranged differently. But they have but the skinwalkers are often described as having shoulders, possible clothing, um, 
different shaped heads. Sometimes there's a short muzzle. Um, they 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 can have a different look to them. They're often bigger even than than the um, the regular dog man. Uh, those are just a few, and I can fine tune it and add some other ones. Those are just a few, uh, you know. And some people have worked up pretty elaborate um, hierarchies for the types of of dogmen or or man dogs. There is a newer newer one that I I call new that I have in my um, my latest book, the one that came out uh, in July, which is I know what I saw. And I call them dire dogs. They're not the same. They're bigger, actually, than dire wolves. And they can look differently than a timber wolf. They might have a pug nose or something like that. But the main thing people report, and again, I started getting these reports back in 91 when the first article came out. They're different from the other dogs in that they're um, bulkier. They usually have that rough we were talking about on the back of the neck. And people will use one of two descriptions for them. They'll say it was as big as a Shetland pony or a bull calf. I hear those things over and over again. And their behavior is really weird um, because we're talking about something substantially bigger than uh, most timber wolves even. They chase cars. They will try to push them off the road. They will run alongside a car as fast as they can, usually keeping up with it. And people will say um, its head was even with the window of my giant truck, whatever truck the person was, was driving. And it's just so consistent that they they do all these things. So they're more and aggressive? So they're very, yeah, they're very aggressive and they're big and bulky. And um, they're, they're not usually, I've had a couple of reports. There's one that was, sitting on a hill just staring at cars that went by as if it was picking one out to go after it and had golden eyes. The person could was close enough that they could see its eye color. And they said it had these golden eyes just shining. And they're just sort of in awe of it. So, um, but I, th I think to answer your original question that, yeah, the one that people describe as being on Bray Road and probably all over at least the Midwest, I would say it's the pre prevalent. And up into New York, just about all the eastern half of the United States, where they're a lot more numerous, by the way, than they are on the western side. Um, most of them sort of hew to that general description. So, And in fact, I did have one person who um, used the drawing that I made, my, my um, indigenous dog man, all over a, a book they were creating, and I saw it, and I said, well, you know, this is a copyrighted thing. If you ask me, I'd probably let you use it. But the person re answered, he said, well, I had to use it because that's what everybody tells me is the closest to what they saw, looks like. So I thought that was a pretty good affirmation that, you know, I had at least hit the correct appearance of them. So I have a question for you. There's another creature that people are calling a gugwee. Do you know what that is? I've heard of that. I have not really investigated that one. In fact, I was reading about it just the other day. Maybe it was in uh, Lon Strickler's column, I think. Yeah, I think Lon, Lon has, has, has talked about it. Lon has given yeah. us – he's been on the show. We did like a three-parter with him. It was – pretty, pretty, uh, informative, uh, but I know oh, yeah. that, that he had some stories and, and he's described these, uh, you and him and me, and we all kind of seem to be on the same page, but there is this camp that is vehement that they are, uh, some sort of just physical creature and they don't do anything. There is no spiritual nature to them at all. And I don't agree with that at all because I have just gotten too many reports of them doing odd things. Here's something odd. Uh, my sighting took place in October. Okay. And so like in, in, in 1990, well, back in December, I went by and talked to my, my friend's brother that I saw it with. Mm -hmm. And he reported to me, which something 30 years later, I had never heard. Um, or I guess that would have been 29 years later. He told me that when it walked by the window, he thought he saw like some sort of black vapors coming off the back. Ew. And not like a steam, you know, and, mm -hmm. I, and and we were actually looking at a house that he would had remodeled and we were walking around in it, whatever. And uh, 
the, he we started talking about that. We started talking about ghosts because it was this is weird. We were standing in the house and like this 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 piece of wood just kind of falls off of this uh, these two saw horses. And I looked at him and I was like, "Oi, you know. And so I made a joke, you know. And, and then and then I said, you know, we started kind of talking about ghosts and stuff. And he was telling me that that house he was working in had some kind of weird stuff. He was doing some remodeling and some stuff had happened. So he had told me that. Uh, we started talking about that night and I said, you know, I've gone on to, to talk about that case, you know, and, and, uh, that, that happened to us, I call it a case, but it's, you know, it's in my files or whatever. And I've, I've talked about it on, on numerous occasions and he's, and I started questioning him about it, you know, just, just cause over time, you know, your memory might change or something. He's, you know, everybody's still pretty adamant that it happened the way that, that they remember it happening. He's not open to talking about it to anyone. Now, my friend that I saw with, he just recently was was telling my wife that he's he's open to actually talking about it and telling his story, but his story would just be basically an affirmation of my story because we were, were there together, except with a few different details from his perspective. But uh, but his brother was like not real, you know, because their mother till the day she died was not willing to talk about it. She just she she told my brother and, and a couple of my friends. Yeah. And to her, it was the El Diablo. You know, it was a devil, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, my friend's brother claimed that he saw this vaporous whatever coming off of his back. And I was like, whoa, I was like, wait a minute. What? And like. I had never heard that part of it, and it always looked very flesh don't and blood. Think it's a good thing. No, no, it's not. And but here's the thing, Linda. It looked flesh and blood to me. Like I oh. have talked to many people, and they're like, "Oh, well, it's flesh and blood. It's flesh and blood." And I'm like, "Well, I can't really argue with because what I saw did look flesh and blood, but that detail kind of puts it in the whole spectral. It category. changes things up. It does. Yeah, it's a game changer. The tell. It's it's tell when it's unknowingly, you know, you just see it's it's wife standing next to him and put, you know, budging him in the arm and saying, "Hey, Leo, you're leaking the vapors again." <laughs> Is it, it, was it like a miasma? Would you say like it wasn't like when I think vapor, I mean, you know, I think like steam where it's very. Uh, he like, said it was like a yeah. black, like a miasma, almost like a, I would yeah, say, yeah, like, like he said it was like solid black, but it would like evaporate when mm -hmm. it would come off of him. And now you know, yeah. in my wife's encounter, she the, she had one where. They, this thing came into a room and then it like eventually just kind of slunk back and it was like it came out of nowhere and it was black all black and it was an inky black and it almost like it was it was uh you know what i mean like it wasn't solid you know yeah. and yeah, my like uh, the shadow dog yeah and like my nephew zane he's been on the show and and he lived in new orleans and he saw one in that famous cemetery I uh, can't remember the name of the cemetery off the top of my head, but it's the one with Madame Laveau and all that. And he was walking by that cemetery and he saw this this black shadow, but it was like a werewolf and, and shadow. And, like shadow dog. Yeah, like a shadow dog. They're, yeah. And, it's crazy. They're all over. They're there. everywhere. Yeah. And so, and I've got my own theories about all that. I, I don't know what it, you know, what to believe 100%, but I have my own theories. And I know that uh, the Gugwe thing is just. Uh, okay, so the Gugwe is apparently some sort of like Bigfoot type entity, but it, has, but it has like a wolf-like head. Now, I have filled the reports, uh, one out of Mason, Texas, where some kids were shooting fireworks and these two creatures, that, to them, were very fresh and flesh and blood, came running out after them, began to chase them. Um, now, I recently did an episode called Devil Monkeys, and I would have probably put that in that category if I had had enough threads I call them threads. I keep talking about it. It's like I'll get a weird report of like a gargoyle type creature and I don't have anything to compare it to. So it'll sit in a file for five years until someone else will give me a report totally unrelated to the first person and it matches that. Then I go, oh, okay, I got a thread. Well, right. I didn't have all the threads in place at that time and I told the story on Vic's show and it was uh, of these these devil monkey type creatures, I guess you could call them, but they they – could fall in the category of what they are calling the Gugwe. And I don't know who came up with that name or why, you know, but it supposedly has like a werewolf looking head on like a Bigfoot body. It doesn't have the backward bent, the, the hawk legs, the hawks, you know, that the dogs stand on. It doesn't have that. And it looks very uh, uh, gorilla-ish with like a wolf's head. And people say, sometimes they say it eats very aggressive and that it is almost like some sort of chimera, like hybrid. It looks like it's been made in a lab. And when people have asked me a hundred percent, they've, they've said, Hey, uh, one, one guy was a, was a police officer. He actually asked me, what do you think this is a hundred percent? And he worked for the, uh, 
uh, Lower Colorado River Authority a long time ago. And he was mm-hmm. telling me, he was like telling me a story about it when he worked for, you know, years ago and he was telling me about it. And he's like, what do you think it is? I said, it's all of the above. I mean, I've gotten stories, not a lot. Now I'm not going to say I have like a whole bevy of stories like this, a couple of people witnessing a sort of transformation. Um, and then I've gotten stories of people witnessing um, this gugweed type creature, maybe one or two, maybe maybe three now of those. And then, but a ton of the ones of the, of the, the hawk like legs and, and the, they look like a timber wolf, you know, but like big and muscular. And I've gotten different descriptions and variations of that type, but the hyena type, I've gotten some of those. Um, there's an area out in West Texas where people see these oversized hyenas. Some of them get up on two legs. A lot of them don't. They just look like uh, some sort of prehistoric, uh, just hyena. gigantic, yeah, hyena gigantic base. hyena. Well, that and, sounds like my dire dogs. Yeah, and and, and so that, that's that's really like the, I know the amphicidon, I believe it was called. Right. Yeah. That, a, well, there's another category too that I didn't make this up. There's an area in central Wisconsin um, where the 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 main town has a little road leading out to the country, and it's called Bear Wolf Road. And they've been saying for years, the hunters, that. There's something out there with a head like a wolf and a body that's big, more like a bear. They haven't had it walking on flat feet like humans or regular um, bears, not entirely. They they haven't all seen the – sometimes it's, it's in the woods and you can't see a creature's feet very well. But there were enough of them that they were um, calling it bear, uh, bear Wolf Road, and it was also the name chosen by the guy – who you may have seen this on one of the TV shows. Um, I have it in one of my earlier books. Um, he had called me to, to talk to him about it. But he was um, one of those guys that contracts with the county up kind of north northwest of Milwaukee in an area called, um, well, it's part of the Kettle Moraine State Forest. And it has this beautiful... Um, two well, real, really high-storied building. Holy Hill is the name of it, and it's got a Catholic um, cathedral worship place on the top, on the very top of it, and it's lit up at night. And he was hired to pick up dead deer all around in the area because it's a very winding, uh, almost mountainous-like area. You wouldn't think that would be just west of Milwaukee, but it is. So he's driving around, and it's like three in the morning. And he sees this deer that he hasn't um, got on his list. So he had to stop and threw it on the back of his pickup truck, which he decided filled it up for the night. But he had to write a form out for this one because um, it wasn't with, with the others and he had to account for it. Well, he's sitting there in the cab of his trunk and he said he must have had like five lights on be- beside the cab light and the, the the rear light and the flashers and everything. So he had a pretty good... Uh, light to see by and he's sitting there and he said all of a sudden his entire truck which the back end of it remember is filled with bodies of dead deer made a big kawump and moved and he at first he's thinking is it windy and then he realized there wasn't any wind and it couldn't move his truck like that if there was and he's sitting there again and it happened again where it would just the trunk went kawump and so he gets – well, before he gets out, he luckily he turns around and looks partly in his rearview mirror. I guess that was where he had most of the image from. And he saw something that he said had the head of a wolf, but it was reaching into the rear of his, his truck bed with claws extended. And he said it looked um, – it had almost shoulders. It had dark – covered with dark fur. And it had latched on to the deer that he just threw in there, which was freshly killed and probably would have been a very tasty treat for something like that. And he said he was so afraid that he just barely got his door shut and he stepped on the pedal and he said he went as fast as he could for several miles until he finally came to an intersection and sat there thinking about it. And he was just terrified, but he real realized that he had heard another noise besides those two kawumps, which was something clanging on the road. Well, and also something thumping. And he knew one of those thumps 
was the deer that the thing had just pulled out of his truck. And the other noise was his aluminum ramp that he used to kind of help him get the bigger deer up on the truck bed. So, he, and there, you know, he operates on a slim budget. This was on Monster so, Quest, wasn't it? Wasn't that yes, one? It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, uh-huh. I set that up for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, he, he drives back and there's no deer. The deer is completely gone. And so is the aluminum ramp, which you can't imagine why any animal would want that. And nobody found that ramp. He went back looking for it, never found it. They had a professional tracker come in the, um, and, and look around the area. And I did, I did an overnight snake stakeout with him and, and a hunter. Nothing was there. We were near the swamp. The professional had walked through the whole swamp and not found anything. So that was um, pretty unusual. But he claimed that it was what he would call a bear wolf. And he was also angry because he had gone and tried, like a good citizen, to, to report it to the county um, sheriff's department. And as soon as he started describing it, the deputy on um, who was who was up taking the report at that time wrote Yeti. Oh man! So everybody. So the next day, the headlines in the Milwaukee paper were "Man Finds Bigfoot by Holy Hill." Wow! And so they talked as if it were a Bigfoot all that time, and he said it wasn't a Bigfoot. Absolutely, was not a Bigfoot. He saw this canine face, and you know, it, it did have claws. And paws, although they were, you know, more hand-like, but they weren't like a Bigfoot is always said to have hands. You know, it's never never paws. So that's probably the best known. But every once in a while, I'll get a report like that. Maybe there is some sort of a hybrid. And it's, it's well, the- mystery solved, Linda. I already know exactly what that was. Now, see, that was Delbert. And he is a werewolf. And he took that ramp and he sold it to a junkyard. <laughs> and that's where you're going to find that, folks. There you go. And well, you know what? I I have I forgot to mention a few days later um a policeman called me actually returning a call that I had left leaving trying to get more information and he claimed that somebody did find that ramp, but it was so mangled. Iffy. Well, no, just his report. It was I, gross I or sure. like it had a bunch of stuff on it. No, no, it's just that the 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 person who was talking to me wasn't really clear about it and I um couldn't find any other confirmation that it had been rescued or taken or sold or anything like that. And anyway, why would it have carried it out to the field? Yeah. Well, th- that leads into another question I had, Linda, like what do you because in one of your books you talk about a shapeshifter I believe, and, and I'm not 100%, I always go by memory, and sometimes memory is not, it's it's fallible, even my great memory, but I'm just kidding. But like, the, this, there was one that you said that these people had come up into their up to their house, and now folks, what you need to do to get all these stories is go and buy all of Linda's books. And I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> Linda's not paying me to promote her books, I'm just telling you right no, now, not. I'm just telling you right now, she's a good author, and she has a ton of information about these creatures. So if you want to add to your wealth of knowledge about these creatures, you need to buy her books. And I'm not kidding. Every every dog man, Bigfoot enthusiast, whoever, whatever, if you're into cryptids, you that should be a part of your staple. You should have her, Ken Gerhard, Lyle Blackburn, uh, Lon Strickler, Nick Redfern, and David Weatherly. You need to have those people's books those are the Boy, authors. That's good company. Oh man, absolutely! And let me tell you, I've communicated with all of you in the last uh, two weeks, and it's been uh, a pleasure and an honor to, to 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 communicate with you guys. And because I believe that you guys are at the top of your game, I also like Barton Nunley and Paul Sinclair. But uh, they're great, great books, great authors, and you need to read those books because that's where you're going to find the information that you're looking for when it comes to these creatures. Because yeah. before the internet and all that other stuff. All uh, your young people and your flying machines. Uh, you know, I, that's all I had was that and my hieroglyphs. I'm just kidding. I, I, no, seriously, I would read Linda Godfrey's books, and that gave me, um, especially you, Linda, because like that gave me some comfort because I was like, oh, good, I'm not crazy. There's other people that are seeing these things, and I'm not alone. And you know, there were people that had come forward, you know, a handful of people in my hometown, and were like, hey, you know, don't go around telling people I told you this, but. 
and they would tell me these these crazy stories and uh yeah, I got a whole bunch of stories, man. I mean, you can I I can help you fill a a, a volume of of your books if you'd like, but I can tell you right now um your books give a a ton of information. One of these stories that I read um was one of the only reasons that I even entertained when this guy was telling me this story and I thought, "Well, this kind of sounds weird." He said something that caught my attention. He said that there was like a green fog or a mist, oh, right. as he described it. And and when he's telling me this, and I hate, to, I hate to be like this, but it was me and my brother, and we were sitting in a coffee shop, and my friend Mike, and, and Tony knows Mike, he's kind of a crazy guy, he brings me this guy, and he's got, he's got this crazy story, because he knows I collect stories, you know, it was about 10 years ago. So I'm there with my notepad to write up this guy's story, because I had this dream of one day, you know, being an author or whatever, but then I just thought, man, I can't write or type. So how's that going to happen? But, uh, this, but I can speak, you know? So this guy's giving me this story and I'm just like taking it down, you know, cause I'm eating up everything I can about these, uh, creatures, you know, anything I can get my hands on. And he starts telling me this story and I'm going like, what? Like I was kind of turned off and I was like, Oh really? It, it was doing, you know, but then when he said something about the green mist and later on I, I went back and I, I read your book like, and I was like, Whoa, I found a thread and I found that there was a, I think it was a mother and a daughter. I'm not a hundred percent folks. You got to go back and read the book. If you want to know if this is accurate. Okay. Don't, don't say Josh Turner told you that cause I'm, you know, whatever. But I saw, I, I remember reading in the book that this, uh, I think it was a mother and a daughter and I might, maybe wrong, might be wrong, but they were driving up and this thing like did this kind of a little dance, as they said, kind of like moved around or gyrated. Um, and it was like this green mist at its feet. And it changed, like it shifted from like, you know, being a normal looking animal to like this man wolf looking thing. And and it, that's when my ears perked up and I was like, oh, wait a minute. And I've heard this, you know, before. And I'm like, what did you say? You know, I saw telling the guy like, maybe he's not lying. You know, maybe this is, uh, this is, there's a thread there. You know what I mean? And so I go back and I read that and I was like, okay, now, do you remember that? I'm not sure precisely which it's, it's, you've written so many of them. (laughs) Well, yeah, out of, yeah, the older you get, the more books you write, the more there is to look at and the worse your memory becomes. Yeah. You know, so it's, but, um, I, I think I know the one you mean, but it's kind of tied into, um, mist being present in so many of these incidents. And there are generally a one, one is like, um, a moving glob of something that can go right over your car. I had a um, sheriff's deputy from Racine County have that happen to him twice near Burlington. See, earlier I said Burlington for no reason, but now I I know it was circulating in my head. Burlington, Wisconsin was the site of where he saw these two, on two different occasions at different spots around the lake outside of Burlington, Wisconsin, he was sitting in his squad car, um, writing up his notes, and saw this thing come across the lake, go right through his squad car, and he had missing time. And he said it was just like this greenish mist that seemed to home in on him, which was scary in itself. And then to realize he had missing time. And then um, there's a farm on Bray Road that I started about five years ago. Um, Helping the owner who started finding mutilated animals and things in this in his property, and he started setting out multi trail cams, um, usually several at a time, around wherever he would put one of the mutilated creatures that he found. And then um, different things would happen, but one thing that happened fairly consistently was, evidently, according to the trail cam pictures, these columns of mist would come up while it was being photographed one of them the best one showed the mist being there for about half an hour's time and when the creature when the the uh, the bait animal was laid there you could plainly see its legs it was a deer a smallish deer you could plainly see its legs sticking out and then there's suddenly there's this column of mist that totally obscures the deer everything else is crystal clear in the photograph. You can see the leaves, you can see the stalks of the weeds, but there's a mist over this. And it continues in many different photographs, pretty much the same way for about half an hour. And then 
In the next photograph, the mist is gone, and the animal is gone too. The legs are no longer able to be viewed. So, you know, and then there's another, um, a friend of mine, Jay Bachochin, who does quite a, quite a bit of uh, searching for both of these animals around there too, was called by a farmer on the other side of this county, of that particular county, so maybe about 10, 15 miles away, who had the same exact thing. There was this creature, and then there was a solid mist over it. So um, I think what my chapter title is Sentient Green Mists for that, and I think that's also in The Monsters Among Us. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's that's the one that's in. And then I started, I started finding when I was uh, researching that there really have been quite a few sightings of things like this. And um, there were some from England, too, and people call it by different names. Uh, but I don't know if it's something that can move things, if it's something that's placed there by something that wants the bait. And um, this deer that was taken on that particular time, there were footprints that were deeply impressed into the hard soil. And they evidently carried that deer away. And they weren't human. They weren't big enough to be human. They were more like um, some type of canine. Whatever took that bait away evidently was carrying it, was able to step over a barbed wire fence. And there were no drag marks or anything like that that you would have had to see if it had dragged it. Stepped over the barbed wire fence, went all the way across the field. The the field owner, Lee Hample, and a friend of his followed the tracks until they ended at the at the asphalt road, and then they had they didn't know which way they went from there. So something somehow caused the mist or took advantage of the mist that formed over this thing. It picked up the deer, took it over its shoulder, went over a barbed wire fence, and went all the way through another field to get to its final destination or another cornfield. So I mean, it didn't jump over the fence. Like on the 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 tracks on the other side weren't deeper. To so it, it, it was didn't, it didn't look like it just like you said like it just stepped over it. But I would have thought maybe it would have jumped over. Well, it it wouldn't have really had room to back up and and it would have had to really bound almost vertically because uh, where this deer was, it was a a thick tree line with kind of, you know, junky weeds in, in the bottom of it and and the barbed wire there. It it would it was tight quarters. Yeah, so it would have it would have had no room to. Yeah, so it but it but it got over the fence with it anyway and without leaving any part of the of the either the deer or itself at, behind as as a treasure. And so this couldn't this might not have even been a dog man. I mean who knows what this Well I mean if it if it was the cause of the green mist, and if it was like you know, it might have just moved through it. Yeah, that that's true. It may it may have maybe that drew its its attention to it, but it did have. It was walking on its hind legs. If I failed to mention that, there weren't any forepaw prints, just the rear prints. So and and it was dry soil. It was really heavy. Um, a really heavy person would have a hard time jumping up and down to make imprints that deep in that kind of soil. That has another question that Tony was going to ask you. Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, because I know you mentioned the bear wolf earlier. Like, if you had any encounters that, um, of just like these random cryptids that maybe you feel like are a bit more unknown or maybe more obscure. Yeah, obscure. Yeah, different things show up every now and then. And um, I had a great story that I was going to, and it was sort of a major thing that I was going to put into. Um, this this latest book, and I didn't because their story kind of fell apart. But I felt there was some truth in it. They just it was just four four teenage boys at the time, and they were older now, and I didn't think their accounts were very reliable. But not not necessarily untrue. Just it was hard to to knit them together. But what they all claimed to have seen was an African maned lion, and they were in Canada. Hmm. Wow. Which is is pretty interesting. Yeah, and it brings it brings it back to uh the the cats again, which 
I want to tell you something really quick because this is really weird and I, I can't figure out, maybe you guys can help me. I can't figure out why, why I saw this. Probably no reason. It's just that I'm on the alert. But a few weeks ago, I was just taking a little walk around my neighborhood. We moved from our foresty home to more of a, the outer edge of a, of a suburb type of thing. But the city has a, a green belt waterway built around it that connects to a pretty major uh, riverway that goes places. So it's a good hub and all kinds of things are there. And there have been reports of people seeing mountain lions, both black ones and tan ones. And I walk down the block from and it, and it runs behind our house we're right on it if you look at our backyard you think that you're up north somewhere but anyway i i turned the corner from my block to walk down this road that went on a bridge over this green belt and then i knew underneath that road there are two big culverts which i'm sure animals pass through so when you're walking across there on the sidewalk you're at a higher level than anything that's down below and i heard this cat start screaming not a mountain lion but like a house cat and it was wailing like I have never heard a house cat make a noise like that it was just shrieking and I got closer and I looked down and I realized I was looking I was watching a mountain lion eating a house cat oh it was horrible oh my and gosh it was it was abs- yeah and I could I could see him I could see his head keep coming up as it was tearing bits off the cat was alive and I could I could tell it was a mountain lion and not something else because its t- very distinctive long tail was brushing up out of the the weeds. And from the weeds, I could imply what's... I, I'm thinking it was a smallish female because it was probably about 60, 60 65 pounds. And that's not a bad... For, for a younger female, that's about an average. But it was going after this house cat with a, with a vengeance. And it tur- all of a sudden, it, and I'm trying to get closer and take photos because I've got my, for once, I have my camera in my hand. Only I discovered there were huge clumps of dirt on the uh, embankment down to where this cat was. And also, if I, got, if I went down that way, I would have been totally at its mercy. So the, the first set of, uh, or the first filming I took, just came out me looking at my feet and these clumps. The second one, I was getting closer. I got closer to the cat. And you could hear the poor other one wailing in the background. And then it realized at some point that I was there and looked at me, dragged the cat out of sight, came back, and then kicked some, either its own scat or maybe parts of of the, the um, carcass with its hind legs. You know, it was facing the other direction that, from what it was kicking which is a very cat-like thing to do. And I could see its whole body at that point, so there was no doubt in my mind that it was a mountain lion. And um, I did not want to go down there while it could have been in the area, but my husband and I went back the next day, and there was lots and lots of mountain lion scat, which is unusual looking. It's easy to see what it is. So why? Why? Tell me, guys. Why Why did I happen to see a mountain lion eating a house cat like a block from my house. Mm. I don't know. Past it life feels, sin. It, it feels <laughs> omenish. Doesn't that feel om- it feels it is, it is weird. You know, that that's actually I was gonna ask you about this. Um in the news recently and there's been like like in like in the Facebook and everything else, um there have been a lot of reports of like these these animals acting acting bizarre, acting strange, like the the, the black bird the crows gathering in huge numbers in different cities around the world. I mean, that's really weird. Some of the stuff that's happening, uh, the locusts going crazy between Africa and India and and they're worse than they've ever been. They've destroyed like they're going to, people are going to starve this summer because they've destroyed uh, so much. Uh, they've just eaten everything. And then of course, all the tornadoes that have been ripping through everywhere. The earthquakes have gotten really bad. It's, I don't know. People are saying that, you know, this is, Something's going on here, you know, and I don't, I don't know. What is your opinion on that? I mean, it's all, you know, I always try and draw a line be, be, between my own speculations and what's explainable, and um, it does, it does just seem that there's some sort of catastrophe looming. Mm-hmm. It feels like it. It feels like you know, you it's just like we're waiting for something to happen. Uh, I was and, and going back to what we were talking about um, with this uh, the different cryptids that, that that Tony was mentioning. 
have you, what do you think of this, this rake phenomena? I know that and I could be, uh, a Wendigo, like or, a mislabel, or a skinwalker yeah. or something. Yeah. But we get this, we stories of this white, like translucent looking creature. Um, it, it'll, it'll be translucent and, and it has a wide mouth and like, you can kind of see through it, but you can also kind of see its organs. Like it has like a very pink inside is kind of thing. We've gotten reports of them being killed by Dogman, killing Dogman, fighting with, with different, uh, you know, other animals. Somebody had just yesterday, I got a report of somebody claiming that one of them attacked one of his calves and he witnessed it. And I haven't even gotten to really read. I just skimmed over it, you know, but I haven't gotten to really, um, cause we just did the show on that and recently about the Dogman rate connection and it got quite a few views and we just we're just wondering like like where is this coming from like it's like it just came out of nowhere i mean people are have been talking about it for a long time but like not with the uh with the the the, the connection to the dogma the frequency that, yeah. we're, that we're getting it now it's more frequent and so we're, we're it's just it's just weird to us we're trying to figure it out like like wrap our minds around what's going on with this thing because it seems like a demonic entity to me that's walking around doing flesh and blood things. It doesn't sound – some of the people, like a couple of the ranchers we've talked to, um, and Tony was there one day. We interviewed a guy. We read like uh, IHOP. Wasn't that – we interviewed Ernest at IHOP. No, we were in a Mexican restaurant. Oh, no, no. It was, tw- it was two times. You didn't go the first time. That no. was uh, when we went to uh, uh, Morelia. That's yeah. one of our favorite places, by the way. Very good food. If you're in Austin, go to Morelia. So, anyways, the, the, we were a- eating at at, a, at Morelia's, and and that was when you first met him, Tony. Mm-hmm. And he talked about that this creature on his ranch, and that his grandfather had had actually put a bounty out if anybody could kill it, because he believed all along that that's what was killing the cattle. Because he said that these dogman creatures had been living near the creek bottom for a long time and hadn't really messed with any of his cows. But once this uh, what people are calling a rake creature, it's a silly name, but I don't even know where that name comes from. I know it's some sort of creepy pasta name given to it, but it's it's something that people are seeing. That when it came into the area, that's when the cows began to start being killed. And so, you know, this rancher, he told us this story about it, you know, and he uh his grandfather lived owns a ranch that was like adjacent to the Hernandez uh, ranch, or they they had was close to it anyway. And where there had been lots of dogman activity for 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 generations, and the, the supposedly, you know, unless you anger these animals or whatever you want to call them, these beings, whatever they are, they won't really mess with your livestock or mess with you. But if you level a gun at one of them or if you shoot at one of them, they'll come after you. I'm talking about the dogman, but the rake creature seems to have no respect for man or beast, and it just attacks. You know, yeah, it just seems very violent, very violent. And 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 I've gotten reports that they look almost like alien. They they don't look like they belong. That's happened about three times. We've gotten stories where they say they don't look like they belong in this world, like it's from somewhere else, like it's some sort of weird, like maybe even some sort of inner earth creature. I don't know, like something. That, it looks like something that would live in a cave. You know? Yeah, I mean, like a dogman or a Bigfoot, you can actually not. You can at least like say like, oh, it looks like this. Like a, a dogman looks like a, a wolf or a Bigfoot. Like you can tie it to maybe looking like a human, an ape, or, an ape, or, an ape or, or a prehistoric man. Yeah, but this something. this rate creature is just so doesn't bizarre fit in anywhere in any in like in any sense that you can't really tie it to any other creature and be like, oh, this it's similar to this. And yeah, and I get reports of ones that are black. And look like what people call call uh, the shadow man oh, yeah. or the hat man, mm-hmm. you know, are different ones. And they do seem to be somewhat related to creepypasta. Um, as you look into it, some like the, the slender man, you know, is the one that's that um, two little 12-year-old girls took it to heart and almost murdered their friend so they could live in the slender man's house and he wouldn't kill their family and that sort of thing. I mean, it can get convoluted really yeah get very convoluted and there's not much to pin on the sightings you know the like the bigfoot and the dog man you can kind of study their habitats and figure out by where they were and the and the um the um reports that come in what they were doing and and at least hypothesize with these things it's really hard to say but um what i will say is people have been contacting me lately 
and saying all these weird creatures, you know, what are they? Do you think it's the end times when all the, you know, the Bible says the beast is supposed to uh, be unleashed and, and there there will be beast-like animals running around killing everybody and is that what's happening? And then, of course, you know, it isn't helpful when the world kind of breaks overnight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I or at, mean... least, at least gets a major crack in it that, um, it does seem like weird things are happening, and you know, we sit here. It's it's very hard for us as humans to to relate to some of them, and I I do really try and be careful to say that I I don't know what these creatures are when I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of them were demonic, and you know I I say that as um, a Bible believing person. I think there's a lot of supernatural, a lot of questions that can be answered just within the pages of uh, the Christian Bible and, and other um, religious writings, too. Sometimes there there are answers and we're just not asking the right questions. That sounds vague, I know, but... No, it, it's, no, it it's, makes it's, sense. Do yeah, you, I mean, we're Christian Bible believers, yeah. too. I mean, um, Do you believe that maybe it's a... Um, as I think it's the tulpa, basically where enough people believe, believe in it and give it gives like, energy. Yeah, give it energy so like it's a thought become reality because enough Yeah, that that gets into the whole, you know, our, the human brain being a quantum computer and being able to interact with this um unknown to us life energy. It's it's kind of based on the theory that everything that moves around has some sort of life energy. Whether we know what it is or not, most of the time you know, we don't know what, what that energy is. And um, if you see something that doesn't look like it could be, maybe maybe it's a, a creature that was um, put there by... Oh, I, I could tell you a really good illustrative story uh, to kind of tell you the difference. I, I, and that really speaks to it being part of a, a quantum feature is when I was in Michigan doing the... looking for weird Michigan things. I blew into town one day uh, with and stopped in the uh, library, was told where the town's resident historian was, and he told me about a haunted brick place down the street. I won't go into all the details of it, but it was pretty impressive. And I was down in the basement with the owner. She didn't know who I was or that I was coming, anything like that. She was renting part of it out for uh, an antique store and different things. And she um, took me down in the basement, which was supposed to have been the abode of a son of the family that built the building. They called him Basement Billy because of that. And he was quite an active poltergeist. And we were down there st in this completely empty, there was nothing in that basement. All of the um, aluminum was wrapped in brown paper. There was one other light bulb. We turned off the light by us. And I'm standing there and Lo and behold, this basketball-sized sphere appeared in front of me, maybe about six feet away from me and close to the ceiling. So it it really was quite, quite close. I had never seen anything like it. It was a silverish, um, self-illuminated sphere. And I didn't say anything. You know, I could hear the lady kind of breathing hard next to me, you know, in the darkness. But I went to raise up my, I, I tried first moving my, turning my head away and then looked back at it and it was still there. And I felt like it was curious. I just had this overwhelming feeling that it was curious about me. And just as I went to snap the picture, it kind of snapped back out. Now, um, I had another incident like this that's in my books where I was the owner of that farm I was talking about before and another one that we had one of those same basketball-sized silvery spheres come right toward us. We were sitting in the field that and stop and just hang there and look. Well, I, turned, I could not turn the light back on fast enough. It was really creepy. And long story short, I saw a sphere but the woman standing next to me saw the full-on basement billy form. It's like it filtered through both of our brains, this energy that could show things to us, but that she had this image already in her mind because she knew the legend. I didn't know much about the legend, so I just saw the sphere. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that basically 
answers my question about the tulpa because I've always been so interested in it. Well, and, well, the tulpas are a little bit different, I think, because that, to me, just from um, what I what I've read about them, they're more a gathering uh, of energy that the person is able to do, and then um, willingly um, project it from from their bodies, whether and whether it's still them part of them obscuring part of their body, or it goes off separate separately to do its own thing. Um, that would be using a life force energy that either came from or was again filtered through the the person, and supposedly you're able. Some people can claim you can learn how to do that, um, but I'm going to have to go pretty soon, or I would. Ex- there's a, oh, we could do a, another whole show just on that. I mean, we would love to. It's been great talking to you, Linda. I mean, it's been real informative and uh, it's been fun. Um, I guess I just have one final question that can mm-hmm. kind of help out anyone who's trying to get into either writing or researching. Like, do you have any tips for either of those, either new authors or new researchers? Well, you know, people will write me and ask where to start. And what I always tell them is start in your own backyard. Because if you have this interest and you were meant to write these things and your and your your mind and your heart responds to the idea of writing these things, well, then you're in the place where you should be. And there's something there for you to find. And you just have to go out and earn it. You have to go to your area and old newspapers and maybe... Um, the library's vertical files. You have to talk to people, be open to people, be willing to let people call you crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not something that it, you could just say, well, I want to do this, and then all these things come to you. Remember, it took 20 years before I had that actual sighting of sightings, plural, of, of the Bigfoot, which you can actually see if, if you go to lindagodfrey.com and you can do a search for Bigfoot branch and then other things you can you can find out more about that in there but um, that's that's the best I can tell you is is sort of bloom where you're planted and because there's no place on this planet that isn't rich in some type of lore and maybe you can find something that's unique and that nobody else has talked about by doing that but that that's always my main advice and I've had people come back to me and say you told me to go look in my own backyard and I did you know and I did find things so I, I really believe that's true. Well, that's that's good advice, and um, it's unfortunate that we didn't have we don't have time for you to tell your Bigfoot story and any other stuff. Uh, we definitely want to get you back on whenever you get a chance to come back and talk, and uh, hopefully this uh, this whole thing lifts soon uh, with the pandemic and all that, and then you can. Um, be back on the road and, and going to conferences and whatever. Are you ever going to be anywhere close to me or am I going to have to fly to go? <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard telling. I mean, I was supposed to have, I was supposed to have been in Texas um, this coming weekend. Oh. So I was supposed to have been boarding oh, a plane. COVID. To, I know. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where were you exactly. going, where were you supposed to be at, Linda? There was a pretty good sized convention and i've totally blotted the name of it out of my head again at the moment but um you know it would have been a real real fun good one i was looking forward to it yeah so down down there on the um eastern coast side of texas oh okay yeah well i tell you what if we ever get a chance i'd I'd like to i know me and ken had kicked the idea around about trying to put together a dogman conference because i know that there are bigfoot conferences and Dogman right. has really blown up as far as like, you know, people researching it and taking an interest in it and not people just seeing it, but now people are actually paying attention. And had, yeah, because for about 20 years, nobody wanted anything to do with a dog. No, man. not at all. And and they'd be insisting to me that people were, were, people were only seeing a snout-nosed Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yeah. But a snout, it just didn't make any sense. You know, I could show you anatomically why it wouldn't make any sense. So... Yeah, now people are much more. It, it, and you're right; it has absolutely blown up like the last five years or so, which is great because now I don't feel like the lone voice calling in the wilderness, and I, I could never possibly process the number of reports and things that came to me all by myself. I, I you know, I don't believe in hogging information. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, like I said, anybody that's listening at home, 
anybody who uh, and those that are from Texas in this area, Linda has covered some some stories in her books. I can't tell you which. I've read so many of them, and I've read so many reports over the years. But I know one of them was near the UT campus, and I know another one was near Shoal Creek, and there was one another one near Maynard. And uh, so anybody from this area who's I have a lot of fans from this area, uh, listeners, whatever those. Those are places that have actually appeared in Linda's book. So if you want to know about the details, go and check out her books because she's got a huge uh, library of just a wealth of information. And like she said, she's been she was you know uh, breaking ground with this when nobody else was, and when when no one else was really into this whole dogman phenomena, you were the one that people uh, would look to for the books, the information, and all that because there was nobody else doing it. It was just you. I mean, I, I don't remember anyone else being there. You were the pioneer of that pretty much. I mean, you took that file all those years ago and, and ran out of there. I did, I did not take the file. <laughs> I'm, messing with, I'm, I'm messing with you, Linda. I'm messing with you. No, took you, you took a copy of the file and you uh, made history pretty much. And, you know, the rest of I guess is, so. Is, never intending to. I mean, it was just never, never an intention. But you just, you just don't know. But no, I'm I'm glad that there are other people taking taking up the cause and and um, we don't always choose our fate. I mean, that's you know, I that's guess right. we usually don't choose our fate. We we have a destiny, and everybody's destiny is different. And like you chose this path, and you just kind of evolved. I believe is what you're saying. It just kind of evolved, Pretty and that's much. kind of where you ended up at. You know, exactly. So, well, thank you guys so much for having me. I'd be, I'd be glad to do another. We we really have barely touched on it. Oh, if you want to I know. It. There's so much out there, and like I said, folks. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get Linda and at at a conference one day, and then we can maybe we can meet up or something, and and I can see you speak in person. Like you know, that'd, well, be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be um, that'd be awesome to actually mm-hmm. be able to meet all these not not just uh, Linda, but even just Lyle, and like to meet him in person, like meet we did with Meet him in person, yeah, yeah, yeah and de- definitely. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm. I'm fun with all. Oh, excuse me. I'm friends with with all of those guys. Yeah, they're, they're all great people and and do serious work. And I'm very proud whenever I'm connected with their with their names. And there is also if you go to lindagodfrey.com. There's no W's. Just the lindagodfrey.com. You can find um, links to the film, um, either under the home tab or the return to Wildcat Mountain tab and then there's also a tab for the uh the god johnson which by the way um we were talking about lon strickler his his uh wife who was a lovely lady gave me a great review on and and kind of um was one of the first people to appreciate that god johnson book so i always have a warm spot in my house in my heart for her but um it's it's all lots of lots of older stories and things you won't find anywhere else uh, photos and things are at that blog site, lindagodfrey.com. Yeah, I've actually, re- I think I've, I've I've been on there a couple times. We can set up a link on our, our prtpodcast.com, folks, that you can go in and you can go to Linda's uh, stuff and take a look at it. And uh, like I said, we're giving away autographed books, Linda Godfrey, the legend, the author. And uh, thank you for coming on, Linda. You take care of thank yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks, and thanks to all of your listeners, too.